0: Just the Lakers. You're kidding.
2: That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much
1: out there.
0: I don't think you have to do things for money anymore.
1: Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius with Sasha in the booth. This episode is brought to you by Harry's. Go to com backslash bluewire to redeem your razor for $3. Today we're going to complete our series on the roster preview, uh, finishing things up with the guards. That's going to be Alex Caruso, KCP, Troy Daniels, Quinn Cook uh Rajon Rondo, who I always seem to block out uh of, of my memory. And I think that's it. I think that's who all we're getting to. Now we're gonna approach this one a little bit differently than other episodes that we've done in that we're gonna rather than having a section dedicated to Crusoe, a section dedicated to KCP and so on, we're gonna kind of weave in and out of of these guys. Part of the reason for that, and this is what I want to start on, Darius, is in going through this and in preparing for this podcast and, you know, Looking at these guys, Avery Bradley's in there as well, and I'm looking at uh, at them and I'm going, do we have a single starting caliber guard? We put Danny Green in the wing section, but a- aside from him, if you don't count him as one of a- the guards, do we have a single starting caliber guard on this team? And if not, how big of a problem is that?
2: Um, that's a very good question. And I feel like if you have to ask the question, the answer's probably... <laughs> Uh, maybe not. Look, man. Like KCP could probably be considered a starting caliber guard. I don't think Rondo is at this point. I don't think Quinn Cook. Yeah, I don't think Quinn Cook. I don't. <laughs> I don't think Quinn Cook is. I don't think Caruso is, and I don't think Bradley is. So, well, I guess the answer is no. Is it a problem? Maybe. I think it puts a heavy burden on LeBron James. Yes.
1: What what do we need what do we need those guys to do? Like just as in general as a group, because I think there's gonna be a lot of competition amongst those guys because there isn't a lot of separation from one to the next. A lot of it's gonna be, you know, two guys maybe similar caliber players but one fits really well with this lineup better than the other one does and that's what the separation is what what do we need from certain guys or just collectively as the group for the lakers to be able to get to where they want to go with arguably no starting caliber guards on the roster
2: i think they need to be able to capably bring the ball up the court and initiate an offensive set Mm -hmm. i think they need to be able to hit open jumpers Uh, spot up jumpers i think they need to be smart enough to be a ball handler in the pick and roll and just make good decisions based off of what the defense does to them in those situations i think they need to be up to a certain task physically and what i mean by that is can you go set hard screens right can you cut hard
1: right which isn't usual a usual responsibility for a lot of guards, but on this team, on with the amount team. of front court playmaking that w- that we have, there's a good chance that that screen setting and that cutting is going to be an emphasized skill. Yeah,
2: like I mean, look, one of the best actions the Lakers are going to run this year are pick and rolls when LeBron James is the ball handler. A couple podcasts ago, you and I went really long and you know, started fanning ourselves like Blanche Devereaux, um, (laughs) you know, when we were talking about the LeBron James and Anthony Davis pick and roll. But one of the more successful sets that the Lakers ran last year were Lonzo Ball, LeBron James pick and rolls, where Lonzo Ball was the screener. Mm -hmm. And I think that the Lakers are going to do more of that this year as well, like whether it's Caruso, whether it's Quinn Cook, whether it's KCP, I think even some of Avery Bradley, the Lakers are going to use smalls to set screens on on LeBron James mm-hmm. to see if they can force switches in order to force a switch. What's the best way to force a switch when you're a player who said the screen, you go in there and you set that screen, man, like you get into the guy. You know, like you force contact, you make it so that it's hard for him to get over the top. And then LeBron then strings out that dribble. You play a little bit of two two man game. Maybe he gives the ball up and then gets it right back. And now he's got a small on him
1: with a live dribble, you know, so the Lakers have more options in terms of ball screens with lebron as well in that one thing that lebron's always thrived off of i think of jr smith doing this a lot corver would do this too in cleveland of Just like pick and pop type of opportunities, teams really like to send a little extra or a lot extra attention to LeBron off of those. And LeBron would do this with KCP last year from time to time, uh, where he's going to go up and not really set that hard contact that you're talking about, but slip that and pop so that if they send that second defender, it's an open three. Now, KCP was like an okay three-point shooter. The Lakers have more okay to very good three-point shooters that... Their defenses are going to have to make that choice of, do we send that extra attention to LeBron and then give up a more open three to a a Quinn Cook or a Danny Green type of guy? Or are we going to stay home with them? And then that gives LeBron a lot more in the way of open space to attack. Now, for me, I think the guards are going to provide or what we need from them, is to provide some of the foot speed. I think that's an underrated attribute of a team collectively, is how quickly can you get up and down the court, how much can they alleviate that burden from your LeBron Jameses, your DeMarcus Cousins type players, and provide that. That's something like Caruso plays with really good pace. I, I think Quinn Cook has some of that he can get up decently. Avery Bradley is eh on, on that, but I do think that we're gonna need that from them, some of the pace and, and the <sighs> athleticism isn't really the word that I'm going for. But I I'm, I'm thinking more like a, a thrust, a certain umph to yes coming up and down the court, you know?
2: We we all laughed at Rob Palinka last year where he said you know, we want the Lakers to play with thrust. And, you know, it was... But like me- Lonzo was a
1: guy, right? Lonzo was an example of a guy that plays with that, right? That yes. certain amount of that we are going to force the issue. We're really going to be aggressive in, in pushing you. I like to describe that as like tempo
2: a little bit. A lot of people talk about playing, playing with pace. And that means like, oh, getting up and down the floor and taking quick shots. I like for teams to play with a good tempo too, just sort of sped up. A little bit if we were making an analogy i'd like give a shout out to our guy damon right now right and and it's like sort of listening to a podcast at one and a half or two times speed uh-huh. like i want these guys to to get into it quickly get up the court because that sort of transition speed is another way to to sort of stretch out the defense. It's it's one of the values that I think you were highlighting in some of the things that you've done with Anthony Davis as like a rim runner and how his ability to change floor or change ends of the floor really quickly draws defenders to to the front of the rim and opens up a bunch of opportunities for guys who are spacing to the three-point line in in early offense i think what you're describing with the guards would have similar benefit but for players like davis or even cousins or even lebron depending on on how things go as as sort of like a trail man but who's not trailing way like way behind but is really sort of operating in that middle lane but on the secondary break because as shooters then flare to the three-point line if they've gotten up the court with with tempo that that sort of secondary break trail man who is running who who is rim running that guy's going to get a great opportunity to play in space where there's not a lot of help and if that's Davis, or if that's DeMarcus Cousins, or especially if that's LeBron James, that's either going to be a basket or
1: it's going to be a foul. Right. That's absolutely right. What What do you think the pace of this team is going to be? As you were talking, that was something that I, I I'm inclined to think this is a slower than league average team at its best, like in terms of what the best, like, pace and tempo of this team is is that maybe a little slower certainly slower than last year how do you foresee that working with this group and like where's the sweet spot for this team in that respect
2: yeah i think that they'll probably be in between like i don't know 14th and like 20th that's that's sort of a big belt right? But I think they probably max out in that 14 range. I think they'll run selectively, even though, so LeBron's like last season in Cleveland, he was one of the league leaders in transition points, even though the Cavs didn't play at a particularly fast pace. And that's because he was super choosy and selective and but also really took advantage of those opportunities every chance that he could, even if he wasn't trying to turn every chance into an opportunity, if that makes sense. Right. I think that they can do very similar things this year with LeBron, I think with Davis as well. If there's one benefit that Rondo has is that he will throw ahead. LeBron will throw ahead as well. LeBron's a fantastic defensive rebounder, as is rondo positionally right like he will crash down and i think that there will be throw ahead chances for guys like kuzma and davis and even lebron if um one of the guards is chipping down to get defensive re will, will rebounds i think kcp runs out well too he's a name that you i'm not sure if you mentioned him earlier as a guy who who can sort of provide that that tempo that that
1: we were talking about he does he makes some certainly peculiar decisions in transition but i don't th- want him running the middle lane <laughs> right that's it right like he can he can fill a wing and he can get out he can one thing he's decent at is at, at, you know leaking out after a closeout and getting up court but yeah if you get him in the middle of the court dribbling the ball it's an adventure you you
2: know, in getting back to what you were talking about earlier, just just with like what like what do we think the guards are going to need need to do? I think that the guards specifically are also sort of like these are all role player guys, like all of them. Right. The, like, yeah. like there is no upside here with these guys in terms of being a breakout guy, even though Danny Green is like a role player two there is some still and and he's older and a veteran there are breakout game opportunities for him Mm -hmm.
1: right where yeah he's a guy that can go seven for ten from three on a on a given exactly and oh it's just like oh danny green's got 23
2: points like oh okay great like kyle kuzma the same way right oh kyle kuzma's got 30 tonight and then of course Mm -hmm. with lebron and davis and and cousins that potential is is all there with them I don't necessarily see that from any of the guards, besides maybe KCP if he gets hot, right? But none of them are going to have the usage, really, to do anything. Like, we we, we all got excited about some of those big games that Caruso had, which sort of showed that he can play, but on this team, unless things go totally awry, he's going to be slotted as, you know, a guy who brings the ball up and basically parks in the corner set some screens cuts right initiate some sets r- maybe runs a little bit of pick and roll l- looks for stuff in in early offense and all of those and all of the guards they're all sort of similar in not in the exact skill set that they have but within the confines of the role that they'll play i see it all as sort of being being the same
1: I want I want to talk about Caruso for a second because you know we we can talk about him you know on Twitter and and whatnot as kind of this humorous cult figure type of guy who's this balding twenty four twenty five year old who flies through the air and he's become kind of this cult hero right with with how he plays and just the whole thing he's got going on I I, I want to have a serious conversation about him though in that yes he he put up some good numbers and showed that he could play in kind of the garbage time portion of the season, and you and I have been around long enough to know that sometimes that that isn't real, that isn't something that cuts through, So, but two things make me... I, I don't want to say that he's going to break out, but that I think he fits well on this group. I, I don't know if you remember, but as he was starting to get time, he and LeBron vibed really well together. They had had a lot of really solid connections. And the reason for that is that screen setting, is that cutting that you were talking about. It's Caruso knows how to make reads. I I even made a video about this where he understands, you know, I'm going to set this screen at this angle. If the defender does this, I do that. If he does this, I do that instead. And he and LeBron are on the same page on a lot of those, and they were able to get several assists to each other for making those reads. If we're going to be making a lot of play, if there's going to be a lot of playmaking out of the post, it is going to be more dependent upon structure and schematic movement than it is on individual talent, right? Boogie's going to draw a second defender from time to time, even post Achilles, because he's just a big, massive dude that that will move guys around and he will be a mismatch. But Vogel was talking about this the other day in an interview with Sports Illustrated is, you know, he was – recognize the playmaking the Lakers have in the post. Well, now it's going to be cutting action off of that where the post player, the shot, is like the third or fourth option. So what does that look like? What does that mean? That's a lot of split cuts. It's speed cuts after you... Pass the ball into the post, also known as Laker cuts, where you're cutting either baseline or middle off of the the post guy. It's uh, you know flare screens and pin screens on the weak side. Those are all things that Caruso does really really well, and I think that he is he and Danny Green are the two guys that. Are most conducive to that style of play, whereas uh, a KCP is gonna gonna stand in the corner, right? Avery Bradley, I I don't see as much. Avery Bradley's a good cutter. I didn't see much. Haven't seen much in the way of screen setting and operating out of your flex motion sets and just kind of the set action that the Lakers run. That's something I'm really curious to see how that works alongside LeBron, but. I I think Caruso is valuable in that respect. And then we haven't even gotten to the defensive end yet, which I think is is really where the guards, and I'll get into this a little bit later, but I, I think that's probably the most important role of the guards is like, there's a good argument to be made that Anthony Davis plus LeBron James plus good defense equals NBA title. And so I think Caruso brings a lot in that respect in terms of jumping passing lanes. He's a little small like from a strength standpoint, so that might be a weakness, but I all joking aside, all cult hero stuff aside, I'm really excited about what Alex Caruso can bring to the Lakers. Are you making the case for him to start? I I would like him to start, but I don't I know that's not how this works, right? When Two guys are close in talent at the current moment. One of them is an established NBA veteran with the respect of NBA players around the league. And the other guy is a guy who had a nice 15-game stretch out of the G League. The guy who's established is going to start. So I think that it's going to be Avery Bradley in terms of what I think. I would like it to be caruso but i'd be okay with bradley where do you stand on that like to me there are three guys we know are going to start ad lebron and danny green and then after that it's kind of a coin toss what that's a good question what do we need out of that point guard spot alongside let's say it's boogie or javel at that fifth spot what do we need from that guy with that particular group
2: i think if it's boogie or well well, or javel you probably need a guard who can run a secondary pick and roll which eliminates okay. I feel like that eliminates KCP mm-hmm. <laughs> to a certain extent I it, it may eliminate Bradley mm-hmm. and I think it elevates the actual guys who've actually played point guard which is Rondo, right. Cook and Caruso if you bring defense in to the fold I think that eliminates Cook Mm-hmm. And it should eliminate Rondo.
1: Mm-hmm. It should. But I don't So you're just left with uh just left with Caruso on that. So you'd start Caruso.
2: I would either start Caruso or KCP or Bradley. Like right. even though I just said that I'd like a guy who could run a secondary pick and roll, KCP can do some of that, but his decision making is so shoddy, I'm not a fan right? Like, Mm -hmm. I think we saw glimpses of it in his first season with the Lakers, and then those glimpses
1: turned out to be just that. They were only glimpses. Well, for him, it's a ball handling thing, in my opinion. Yes, he makes poor decisions, but out of the pick and roll, he makes decent reads, believe it or not. He makes decent reads, but he just can't frigging dribble, you know? And and so if you can't really dribble, then the the amount of times, like, he's probably going to make those reads better off of handoffs where somebody else has the ball for most of that play. Then he's going to, like, he's just not, he's going to mishandle the ball and then whatever advantage was created out of the action is is eliminated. So, yeah, I, I, he's not an option just because he can't dribble the ball.
2: Yeah, it's it's tricky to me. I think Caruso is probably the best two-way point guard the Lakers have on their roster. Mm-hmm. He's also, but that's point guard. Right. So sure. if LeBron and if LeBron is going to do the bulk of the ball handling and Anthony Davis is going to be a sort of shot creator as well, right. Um, especially if the Lakers are running like the sort of ball reversal or delay type sets or they're running horns, right, where big men are going to get the ball either at the elbows or at, the top of the circle or above the break three point line and be someone who's who's making offensive reads right as actions go on all over the floor and and they're sort of going to be assist men to to a certain extent then you can get away with maybe playing an avery bradley or even a kcp next to those guys because i think that they can capably defend point guards well enough they've got good enough size but caruso does too i know you mentioned his his lack of strength relatively right but Mm -hmm. i think that he's gonna battle way more on switches than like kcp is oh absolutely You, you know and he's gonna go down there and chip on big men And he's going Mm -hmm. to go and attack the defensive glass, right? And he's going to do the same on the offensive glass as well and be smarter about it than a guy like Rondo. Mm -hmm. One of the ways I like to think about this is who takes the least off of the table Hmm. and rather than who brings the most. Right,
1: so mm-hmm. that's a, this is a good way of framing it, by the way, because like my number one rule for role players: don't do dumb stuff. Yes, right, and and so this very much falls under that. Is not you know what can you do particularly well, but will you not hurt us as a role player? Will you fill that role? Now, Caruso, like he's turnover prone. Yes, on you know along with the good things that we said, so that's an argument against that. But anyway, go go ahead. Part and part of him being tur- turnover prone too is that. He's
2: susceptible to ball pressure. And when you pressure his handle, he can get clean like he can get the ball stolen, like off of the bounce. His his passing can get disrupted when when you're pressuring him. He can be a little bit fond of making the highlight play a little bit. Yes. Right? And so you combine all of those things and they come together to sort of be that that turnover prone prone player. But when I'm talking about um like who takes the least off what will well, off of the table? I think first of all with Caruso we have to see is the shot like real right? Mm-hmm. Like the high percentage of threes that he hit last year on an incredibly small small sample like that's encouraging, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's 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 not proof, right? Sure. And, so can can he be a league average three will, will three point shoe shooter and so like. 36 ish percent overall that's all we need
1: that's all we need and if
2: he can be like 38 percent or 39 Mm percent on catch and shoot open threes right yeah yeah then i think you're looking at a player who does a lot of intangible things well he defends his position he competes defensively and so right and so some guys
1: can defend their position but they don't compete you know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. And and when I was talking earlier about like him about the guards providing some athleticism and umph and thrust that palenka word right like Crusoe is a guy that plays in that manner that can do that. No, he was a guy going even back to his first
2: summer league right where he was Lonzo's mm-hmm. backup. He mm-hmm. was the closest approximation absolutely to Lonzo yeah to to Lonzo right and and, and so it's one of the reasons why the Lakers went on to win the championship even after Lonzo didn't play you know Mm -hmm. not only because Kuzma went off but because Caruso was a pretty good facsimile. uh he I'm just gonna skip that word (laughs) He, he he approximated... <laughs> no editing this out, no, Sasha. You, no, you cannot edit this out. No, we're this leaving out. this in. He approximated <laughs> Lonzo well enough.
1: Right? Yes, a reasonable facsimile indeed. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we're going to kick it to break uh, really quick. And then we come back. I want to ask Darius about some of the... Like, when and where each guy can can play. What, what are the situations where they will be valuable? But before we get there... Go to harrys.com backslash blue wire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's is fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million people who've tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com backslash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com Dot com backslash Blue Wire to redeem your razor for three dollars. All right, so under this construct of we've got a bunch of role players at the guard spot, and we're trying to find the places of, of where to fit them in. I I want to make an analogy to say an a baseball bullpen, right? Where you've got all of these specialists, you don't have a dominant closer, but you've got all of these guys that against this certain type of guy in this certain type of situation, that's really where they thrive. Your lefty who's you know, gives up a 150 batting average against lefties but gets rocked by righties, right? You wanna go lefty and lefty lefty on lefty with him. So we, we already went into Caruso a bit, and, and we sung his praises. I actually want to start with a guy that I have tried to avoid all summer, and I know that how I feel and how the team feels and the guys on the team feel is, is different. What is, when is the right time to play Rondo? Look, I think Rondo can be
2: like your second or third guard off of the bench. When is the best time to play Rondo is when LeBron is not in the game.
1: I would argue Boogie, too. I would argue Boogie, too. And that was part of why it didn't work particularly well in New Orleans. Boogie is very much a playmaker, whether it's on the perimeter or in the post, for himself or someone else. And there's some redundancy this in the same manner in which there's redundancy between Rondo and LeBron. So let's build a Rondo lineup, shall okay. we? Yeah, that's a good idea. We've
2: got Rondo. I think mm-hmm. he's fine playing with Kyle Kuzma. So let's so let's add Kuzma. I think that okay. you need to protect Rondo with rim protection, right? So mm, right. let's say JaVale. JaVale or Anthony Davis.
1: Of course, right.
2: right? In theory, could you have Rondo Kuzma Javale and ad would you be comfortable with that as your front court or would you want one or the other in terms of davis and
1: well and Javale? i would want one or the other okay so let's so let's let's talk about this from a bench perspective okay. right of which you know ad will be playing with the second unit at times we know how you know teams will stagger and whatnot but i i mean he's anthony davis right like he's gonna you you could stick him in any lineup and then that's a great idea, right? Let let's put him to the side for now. Let's think of like an all bench type okay. of unit with Rondo. So so let's say Kuzma's coming off of the bench and I agree with you there. Uh, say JaVale at the five. Okay. Uh, who are your other two guys alongside Rondo?
2: Probably Avery Bradley. Okay. And, and then if we're doing bench only, then I would say throw in KCP two. <laughs> if Okay. If not, I would say Give him Danny Green.
1: Yeah, so Danny Green is a guy as a guy who can't really dribble himself, but can come off of screens. And uh, Rondo's going to hit those guys coming off of screens decently well. You want a good defender next to him. Is it, Avery Bradley's defense is something that I'm you know getting more into. I'm going to save my thoughts uh, on on what's good and what's bad sure. until I feel you know more comfortable you know pontificating on that. But yeah, Avery Bradley could be one of the examples of that my concern with like rondo kcp is that they're small yes. and they play very they play very small
2: they're not physical especially right. defensively when navigating screens like that's right. kcp can lock and trail well enough mm-hmm. but anything on the ball or like that cross screen action mm-hmm. where or a guy comes and gets him rather than him sort of being able to establish getting on his the the offensive man's hip and then chasing Mm -hmm. those are all plays where kcp is just going to struggle and 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 so one of the things when we're talking about rondo i just want to surround him with guys who are going to be a bit more physical who offer the prospect of shooting or finishing in general right Right, and so that's why we talked about Javale Kuzma does that, Danny Green does that, and I think that Avery Bradley sort of can hopefully compete defensively, or at least can you can say if you're flanking Rondo with Danny Green and, and Avery Bradley, in theory you could put Rondo on the weakest of the offensive play, offensive perimeter that's players, right. right? Regardless of that's right of position if that guy's a small mm-hmm. forward even right mm-hmm. M- maybe the Lakers get hurt some on the backboards but at least you're not telling Rondo to go out there and guard you know
1: Russell Westbrook right that's right and it, that kind of guy would have to be a spot-up shooter like at the three for, for Rondo to de- to defend him but yeah that, that would be it, it's funny this question I, I'm trying to approach this from a Bah, the best idea is just not to play Rondo at all. I'm trying not to do that. But it really <laughs> illustrates kind of some of the difficulties of of doing that. Because KCP, it would be good to have a guy who can take the guy that Rondo's not take, take the stronger of the players, and can shoot coming off of screens, which is something that Avery Bradley is less inclined to do than KCP is. Uh, but there's that physicality issue there. If you've got Bradley there, you don't really have action coming off of screens that so that lineup say what you said was rondo bradley kcp kuzma and Javale. that makes kuzma like kuzma's the only guy who can get his own shot in that lineup and then that becomes you know problematic there i
2: think then if you've got kcp rather than like danny green right Mm -hmm. then you probably then want davis instead of Javale right so this is where i know that this is a guard focused podcast but this is where the versatility of the lakers bigs is really going to be important Mm -hmm. right because they are the like typically you talk about guards and wings who are the sort of do-it-all players on your roster and then oh you know what i need with this lineup is i need a stretch big right give me Mm -hmm. brooke lopez Mm -hmm right right and oh you know what i need with this well with this lineup is i need an above the rim and like lob threat player Mm -hmm. all right like bring in this big man instead Mm -hmm. well you know what the lakers bigs pretty much have the ability to do anything right like Uh at least cousins and anthony davis but anthony davis really does everything right he is Right. He is in every... And Cousins can be a pick and roll player. He's just not necessarily a lob threat, but he can definitely get to the bucket
1: and then create space Well, and, and he finish. also... The one thing that AD doesn't bring a ton of... Now, he can do this to smaller players, but Boogie's physicality is something that AD can't replicate. AD is so versatile. He can be every type of big that you want him to be, The the place where... That's least true is as a banging bruiser type of guy, right? And but then you've got Boogie's arguably the the biggest bruiser amongst the the big, bigs in the NBA, aside from maybe Joel MBA, yeah. That's right. Those type of guys. So, so yeah, the Lakers very much unlike last year have every type of big. They don't have like a forty percent three point shooter type, but I think Anthony Davis's guard skills. It's similar to Lamar Odom, right? Lamar Odom was a stretch four before stretch fours were really a thing, or as they were starting to become a thing. And he was a mid thirties three point shooter, but he could handle the rock. He could pass a bit, and that provided it. Like being a stretch four is not just about shooting. If AD is as a stretch five and he's shooting 34, 35% from three, but he's able to handle the ball and create for himself and for others, I think that's that certainly qualifies even if he's not a sniper, right? So to your point, the Lakers do have very much unlike last year, they have every type of big on this team.
2: Yeah, and where the part of their roster where the players are not as versatile is is in the guard positions, right? And, and, right. and so I actually think that's where the shuffling and really the—that's where Frank Vogel is going to make his money mm-hmm. as as a lineup builder, right? Is finding the right guard com combinations and, and perimeter com combinations that work well with each other when flanking any of the Lakers' bigs. I think— the point you made earlier about like rondo not necessarily being a great match with with boogie that's where i think you're starting to to talk about like okay he might rondo and to a certain extent kcp they may be the least versatile of the guards because a rondo's not a shooter that offers gravity <clears throat> and kcp just doesn't bring enough physicality as a defender right. it it's why on in many lineups you might actually rather see quinn cook who is similarly mm. not a of like a physical presence at all as a small guard right. defensively but he's a high volume and high confidence three-point shooter right and mm-hmm. And he can do other point guard guardy things, like he can bring the ball up, he can run a little bit of pick and roll, like, not great. He's, he's mostly looking for an opportunity for a guy to, like, go under a screen so he can shoot it,
1: right? Like, right, um, right. He's, like, half of J.J. Barea, right? right. right. So, so what, is the, what does that lineup look like around Quinn Cook? Let's talk about him, about, like, what are the places in which he can thrive? Yeah, I think if you put—I think you
2: want Cook next to LeBron— Mhm I agree. Right. I think you could play cook with like LeBron and even like cousins.
1: I feel like so my, so my concern my concern with Boogie and this we didn't talk about this with Rondo but it's true with Rondo as well is Boogie's perimeter defense has to be hidden covered up for however you want to phrase it with both cook and rondo being minus defenders at that spot i think that you really start to hemorrhage in a spot where like they're just going to pick and roll you to death on they're just going to target boogie on one end cook or rondo aren't going to provide the back pressure so while i agree like with the playmaking aspect i'm concerned about the defensive end in that cook boogie combo
2: i forgot where i read this and so i apologize um and this is maybe a topic for another pod entirely. But do you think the Lakers will play some zone
1: this season? Oh boy, I don't. I haven't seen a ton of that from Vogel. I like. I, I see where you're going with that. The reason why I ask is because you're talking about covering up bigs,
2: right? And, uh-huh. and I think no, that's a great. I didn't think of that. And and I think about this even within the context of like LeBron as well mm-hmm. right because you don't necessarily want lebron um making a bunch of rotations mm-hmm. right so it's just marinate on that we don't have to
1: have to get into it now but because no i kind of i kind of do want to get into that now it's a really intriguing idea that i'm like you know you'll you can hear me kind of you know chew through it and and see what's viable about that so this is something i've thought about for a f- couple of years now I think zone defenses are more viable in the NBA than most people think they are Um, and that's speculation on my part I cannot prove this I just see so many times where teams go to a, and most teams just go to a basic 2-3. It's a bit of a matchup zone type type thing, but and and it really gets teams out of their offense. Now, the the old adage about that is like, yeah, you can do it for a couple of possessions, teams figure that out, and then you want to get out of it. I, I think that zone defenses can become more sophisticated than they currently are. Like basically when you go to a zone occasionally you are doing the you know the most basic version it's not something where we've gone through the progression of like you know thibodeau's amoeba defense to the you know to what vogel was doing in indiana with with chris pine i think his name is um as his assistant and just the different permutations of that it's basically the same 2-3 zone that they were playing in 1975 right in college so i this is i'm going off on a tangent a bit in this respect i think that may be one of the next the next steps forward in the nba is can you run in a zone without giving up just open three after open three after open three i think there are ways to disguise it and get teams out of their offense that is so predicated on breaking down a man defense so that's a really interesting idea i don't know i think you need better size at the guard position than the lakers do i'm thinking of the closeouts from rondo from kcp from caruso just cook those aren't going to be guys that can really get a, a hand up um I'd be really intrigued if, say, if we get Iguodala and the Lakers, if the Lakers ever wanted to go big, could they go big and go in a zone where you've got big guys on the perimeter that can close out fairly quickly? That's an intriguing thought that I think is worth, it's at least worth playing around with, not as your base defense, but something that they can go to. And I'm curious to see if the game in the NBA in the next 10 years, if we start seeing more and more sophistication in the zones and that becoming a bigger part of what teams do.
2: It's an interesting idea when you think of the roster construction of the Lakers specifically, right? Because I actually think that they've got better defensive players this season. Well, no, sorry. (laughs) Because I actually like Lonzo and Ingram, right? Um, And Hart, the players that that they lost. But I think that they've got potential to be a better defense than what you might initially think when looking at them on paper. Mm -hmm. I think that they could easily be top half of the league and and probably flirt with like that 8 to 12 range Mm -hmm. and you know that honestly would not surprise me when you've got davis anchoring finding ways to optimize your defense with some of the defensive limitations though that you have in individual defenders was just something that crossed my mind when you mentioned Boogie specifically with his perimeter defense, but also then when I started to run down some of the limitations of the Lakers guards, right? With like size mm-hmm. with Cook or physicality with KCP. Mm-hmm. You you know, like how much does Bradley really have left in the tank? Mm-hmm. Rondo in general, you know, lots of pointing, right? right? And, and so are there ways to effectively build defenses out, especially for for bench players, right? For like three and four-minute stretches, right? Or even two-minute stretches. If Cook or Rondo are going to be in the game for a five-minute shift, maybe, how do you put
1: together enough stops? Right. Right, and... Yeah, th- this team has a lot of potential to put out bad defensive lineups. Like, there, there are certain combinations, and that's something that... Those are landmines that Frank Vogel is going to have to navigate around, because it could be a very good defensive team, but there are some combinations that are like, ooh, you want to stay away from that. And getting back to the guards then,
2: do you think that's more guard-driven or big man-driven? Because I think it might be more guard-driven.
1: Interesting. I think it's more big man driven. Okay. And, and Boogie, like I think Boogie's a really important player on this team. I'll, I'll get more into my opinions on Boogie. Myself and Sasha and my brother, we're all knee deep in, in DeMarcus Cousins footage and have been for the last two, three weeks now, uh, if, if not more. I, I think Boogie's really important and I think the best version of this team involves Boogie as the third best player on it. But that's going to involve doing some things defensively that to help hide him a little bit like he's good at the things that he can do on defense he's just he's got limitations and it's going to be so, lots of
2: drop though right
1: it is going to be a lot of drop the problem with that is that like there are certain teams you can't drop against and that's mostly what he's capable of doing at this point is dropping. He'll show a little bit higher from time to time, but like if you've got Steph who can come off of a screen and knock down a three, okay, well, that's Steph Curry. He's the greatest shooter of all time, right? Well, you also got Damian Lillard in this conference. Yeah, and James Harden. You've also got a guy like James Harden. You've got Jamal Murray's capable of doing that. This is not something that is like, oh, that's no big deal because – Everybody runs drop. Well, yeah, but everybody's also able to switch, too. And if we're switching, Boogie can't be on the court. So that's my defensive concerns are, are more big man driven as a result of that. Although what you're saying about the size and physicality of the guards, that's important, too. I just think that you can survive that a little more than a big who can't do much outside of a drop cover.
2: Yeah, see, my whole thing is is I have point of attack questions Mm-hmm. With with Rondo, I have them mm-hmm. with Cook. And to a certain extent, I have them with KCP, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's half your guard rotation. or That's right. Right? And so how do you then build effective defensive lineups if you're having trouble at the point of attack like that? You're mm-hmm. going to ask a lot then of Anthony Davis and JaVale McGee to do a lot of covering mm-hmm. on the back end. Now, JaVale was good at that. Last season, what Javale's problem and up being was that he was doing the same thing every possession, right? And so mm-hmm. he's he's always going for the block. There was none of that, mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm going to read this a little bit better, <laughs> right? You yeah. know, so it, yeah, so,
1: you give up a lot of offensive. Yeah, rebounds so as it gets
2: problematic in a lot of different ways. Now, here I was just five minutes ago talking about I think the Lakers can be in that eight to twelve range defensively, mm-hmm. and. I still think that. I think when you have Danny Green playing on the perimeter, who's a very good defender, and then you've got Anthony Davis, who is like an all-NBA level defender and has defensive player of the year potential as a big man and a big man who is not in like the Joel Embiid mold, but in like the big man who is like sort of has Draymond Green type ability, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Who can just cover all over the floor, then you have the ability to build a top level defense. I'm just very interested in seeing what guard combinations Frank Vogel uses the most in order to try to optimize
1: that. So 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 let's get let's let's continue down the like building lineups. With Quinn Cook, you had it was him, Boogie, and LeBron as the three guys. Who would be your other two?
2: Matt, so I'd actually look at starting lineup type combinations mm-hmm. with Danny Green. Uh, yeah, Danny Green, a- right? I actually think that Cook and Kuzma, LeBron, right, AD. And then I think I think you could put Danny Green out there. I think you could put mm-hmm. KCP out there. I know that that's a small backcourt, but I think that you could do it. I think you could put Avery Bradley out there. I actually think you can maybe even put Alex Caruso out there.
1: Mm, interesting.
2: What what I'm trying to do with Cook is very similar to what I was talking about doing with, with Rondo is how can you put enough defensive players around him where he can guard someone who's just like not a great offensive player, right? Right. I think Caruso is actually an interesting player to play next to Cook if there's enough size behind them right Mm -hmm. because they can really do a good job of splitting ball handling duties and they can run secondary or even um third action pick and rolls right Mm -hmm. if they're sharing the court with with lebron and again if the shooting can hold up for caruso provide some interesting spacing options
1: yes absolutely no on offense i could definitely see that working it's the concern is on the defensive end and that's the one thing in, in doing this exercise that keeps coming up in my mind is that every version of this and it speaks to the caliber of guards lakers have every version has a yeah but what about blah 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 right in terms of like this is my concern with that like it's not a maybe not a fatal concern in some instances it is but like it's not particularly sustainable so Like, for me, Cook is a guy that would be good in a closing lineup. So Mm AD at the 5, LeBron at the 4. Say we got Kuzma at the 3, Danny Green and Quinn Cook. The problem with that is that so many teams have really their point guard as the guy that's going to be the engine. Now, you couldn't put Danny Green on point guards, and he's going to be good at it. But he's not what he is as a wing defender when he's on point guards, right? And so, like, does that take Cook out of the equation. Like, if you're playing Portland, you can't really close with Quinn Cook because he's got C.J. McCollum and uh, Damian Lillard, right? If you're playing a healthy Golden State in the playoffs and you've got Steph, or even before then, you've got Steph and D'Angelo and then Clay coming back, like, you you can't really hide him on on one of those guys. And a lot of these higher-end teams, Houston being another one, you can't really do that. So, yeah, Cook needs to be, for me, it would be, a bench lineup. I I'd more see it from that that prism of Cook, Danny Green, gosh, <laughs> uh, Kuzma, probably Jared Dudley. Um, I think this is that's a lineup that would really space the floor, yeah. and then probably JaVale, because I think you need that rim protector in that in that fifth spot with with Cook out there. I think because of the concerns with Cook and uh and Boogie on the court at the same time. So um. Let's let's do one more a lot of this exercise before we close out with Avery Bradley. I think we know KCP decently well, um, and and you know we talked Caruso and and his strengths and whatnot. But Avery Bradley is, is one guy. He's one of the guys I'm most intrigued by on this team. I, I, how would you build the lineup around him?
2: So, Bradley has played some combo guard in in his life, but I don't really
1: see him that way. Do you? He he handles the ball a little more than I expected him to. Okay. He's got... So, I don't want to act like he's a good ball handler. He doesn't make good pick-and-roll reads, but he is more comfortable... Like, he's not KCP. He's not Danny Green. And those are very
2: low bars. Is he close to Marcus Smart?
1: Huh, that's an interesting... I could see that a little bit. They're stylistically a little bit different, but he's probably the most physical guard that we have if we're not counting danny green is as, as that and green's a lot bigger in fact if, if we're not counting danny green he is definitely the most physical guard that we have um I don't expect him to be as physical as Marcus Smart,
2: right? Like Marcus right, Smart's no, like no, right. a strong side linebacker. So
1: that's right. He's arguably the most physical guard in the NBA. Yeah, so he's physical defensively. He can handle the ball a little bit. He's not going to dribble the ball off of his foot like Danny Green and KCP are. Uh, but he's you can't do like you can't have him be your high pick and roll guy. I mean, he, he's got you know just some ball handling ability in that. So for whatever that's worth, try to build the lineup off of that.
2: Alright, so then so then you need a point guard with him. I wouldn't mind seeing him and Caruso.
1: Yeah, that's it, Ren. I'm so all about that. Like if, like right in the
2: backcourt together, you you, you know, mm-hmm. let them sort of get after it defensively, let Caruso handle the ball mostly, but be a guy who could you know, Caruso's also a guy who's more than happy to give the ball up early like in a possession Mm -hmm. if bradley could be the swing player in between right to -hmm. get a possession going Mm -hmm. like on like like a zipper cut action so he comes off that pin down or or comes up the lane line he gets the ball from from caruso caruso cuts through and then avery bradley is comfortable swinging the ball back to the top of the key to play through a big man so who would that big Mm -hmm. man be like let's give him demarcus cousins Mm
0: -hmm.
2: right And so Mm -hmm. we've got Caruso, Bradley, Cousins. And then you mentioned Dudley and Kuzma earlier. I actually think they're gonna be a very interesting combo, like Mm -hmm. forward combo this season. Mm -hmm. Both of them are sort of combo forwards. I'm actually working on a piece about both of those guys together right now. Mm -hmm. And I'll be very interested because I think that they're sort of a yin and yang. To each other mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. only in being able to play together but in being able to play next to like lebron and davis or be slotted in between any of the sort of like other forward center lineups that the lakers can mm-hmm. can throw out there so let's use that let's go caruso bradley kuzma uh dudley and boogie
1: the, so mine only differs by one player, and I'd be, and it's Dudley, and I would be fine if it's Dudley instead. I'd really love to see instead of Dudley, Danny Green, and so it's an it's an interesting small ball then Boogie, who's not small at all, lineup where you've got your three best perimeter defenders in Caruso, Bradley, and Danny Green at the one, two, three spots. Kuzma is the guy who can get you buckets from the perimeter. And then Danny Green or and then I'm sorry, Demarcus Cousins can be the hub in which you run your organized offense off of. You've got a you've got three good cutters there in Kuzma, Caruso, and uh and Avery Bradley. And Danny Green's actually okay at that too. So that really works with Boogie. The perimeter defense can help mitigate some of the issues that Boogie has. And like my one concern would be rebounding. Of that group, yeah. but I think for like a second unit, get up and down the court type, while you know all only asking Boogie to go free throw to free throw line. I think you can get a lot of stops and run and score in the half court. I think that's probably a, one of all of the groups that we've discussed of these second unit type guys. I think that he that's probably the strongest of the groups that that we've talked about. I, th- I think it'd be great to have our best perimeter defenders out there at once.
2: Yeah, no, I think that that's a really good good idea. Um... I also think that if we were to go with the version that I said as well, I think that Dudley's a really
1: good team defender. He, and you know what? You're right. And he's actually a good man defender, too. He's much, much better than older guys tend to be. He's, he is good on that end. Yeah, and I think that the
2: floor spacing and all of that would would be the same or would offer a similar effect from like a forward position and likely the big forward position. Right. right. Because you're likely using Kuzma more as like a small forward in terms of the actions that you'd be using. That's if right. If he's that's right. playing next to Dudley. Right. You, you know, I know that you said that that was our last lineup, but there was a player I wanted to ask you about that we haven't discussed at all yet, and that's Troy Daniels. Do you think he's going to play
1: at all? Ah, uh. I don't. Okay. And in retrospect of the off season, it's a small mistake, but I think it was a mistake. I think one of the things that sticks out from, you know, this exercise of putting these lineups together is like the Lakers just are so thin on the wing and Troy Daniels is like a fringe NBA guy that can shoot the crap out of the ball and that's something that this team needs and he was the first guy that the Lakers signed while we were waiting for Kawhi. And it was like, okay, yeah, like they need shooters. This will be an end of the bench, vet minimum guy, no problem. But then when it was all said and done, and you've got Cook and Rondo and Caruso and KCP and Danny Green, it's like, where is he going to play? Meanwhile, we're pretty thin on the wing in the way of like three, four type of guys. Uh, So I I don't think he's going to play. I think that you know, hopefully that last roster spot goes to to Iguodala. Um I, I think that's you know who they're holding out for and hoping for. But if you know if they sign Iggy, if I, I could see Daniels being a guy that's cut at some point during this season to make room for, you know, to fill out a wing spot, say there's an injury on the wing or or at a big man spot even. Um I like Daniel's does what he does very well, but he's really poor at just about everything else and I just I just don't see where the playing time comes from. Are you more optimistic about him than I am? I'm not and that's why we haven't talked about him yeah (laughs) that's right
2: the other guy and you didn't bring him up at the beginning of of the pod and we said that we were going to slot him here when we talked about the wings do you think tht gets any time at all this year or you think he's just going to be in the g league
1: i i think he's in the g league he's a baby and he's uh like I, i he's really intriguing like from watching the tape on him it's like oh they got that dude at 47 or wherever the heck we got him like that guy's really talented he doesn't turn 19 until december i think which is just wild and super talented guy i think that him getting i think he's a guy that will thrive off of getting minutes and that the only place for that is is in the g league but and if he was if we're talking like age 20 age 21 tht then i'd be like yeah this is a guy to look out for even if he was a rookie as a sleeper i just think he's too young at this point what about you no that's
2: about where i am as well it's it's just interesting because of all the like skill set and like i know he's not tall right but when you're talking Mm -hmm. about a guy like the type of skill set you're looking for on the wing he's an interesting his skill set is interesting Mm -hmm. The overlap there is interesting, right? Like, just it, long arms, yeah. big body, can do some things with well, with the ball. I think he's got really good defensive potential, honestly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I said this earlier, you, you had talked about, like, mistakes, right? And this is, uh, along those lines, like, a small mistake. But I really wish the Lakers would have found a way to give him to entice him to take a three-year contract, basically. Mm. Because mm-hmm. when you're talking about yeah. your opinion, he's going to spend the whole league in the D, like in the G League, right, with South Bay. If that's the case, then you're gonna get, you know, what, maybe one season of him on like the real roster, you know, mm-hmm. and then he's a free agent. And maybe that works out to your benefit with being able, mm-hmm. but also too, it could definitely work out where you don't really know what you have after two years. Right. And then all you've done is put development time into something and how's it going to go? Those are small problems, right? And it's not the biggest mm-hmm. deal. I would have just preferred to get him into a more like conventional rookie type contract where he could have been a free agent after his third year, gone into restricted free agency, right? And and then go from there, mm-hmm.
1: right? Sure. anyways yeah no i mean those are the the little fringe things that i thought the lakers did a lot better this offseason but um yeah that that would have been nice to get him especially at his age right like even the version of this where you draft a guy the second round and he's an nba player which i think their talent is there for that you're not looking at contributing to a team like this especially for three two three years at at the very least so um but That's all right. I'm looking forward to seeing him in the G League. I think that's where he'll be for much of the season, if, you know, in terms of getting playing time. I I do want to end on this in that I think the Lakers are going to need, at some point, to acquire a starting caliber guard in order for them to win a title this year. We're, you know, trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents here in the lineups that we'd like these guys to be in and the reasons why. But I think at the end of the day, like, it's. It's going to be difficult to do what they want to do without one of those guys. And that's part of why, like, if they're able to do this, this will be LeBron's most impressive championship, in my opinion. Even even eclipsing the 73-win Warriors, the 3-1 comeback and all of that, because it will have taken a full 82 games plus what it would take in the playoffs to to get to that point, like overcoming a deficit at a very important spot on the roster, even with as strong as they are, and they've got the playmaking ability, ball handling ability, and all that. I think that they're going to need, at some point, they're going to need to address that prior to the trade deadline. Is this something you think they can get it done? And we'll close on this. Do you think they can get it done with this group of guards?
2: I don't know, man. Like It's going to be tough considering how much str- how concentrated the talent is at, at like the point guard position across the league. My thing is, even if the Lakers, when you talk about a starting caliber guard, you're still talking about a guy who, who has a very particular skill set. He needs to be a good defensive player. He needs to be a good spot-up shooter. He's going to need to be able to play well without handling the ball a ton. And so, like, with with every one of those things that I just said, the pool gets smaller and smaller and smaller. That's right. right? And, mm-hmm. and 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 so it's why, like, three weeks ago, I said on Twitter, like, I'm gonna already beat like the Kyle Lowry for the MLE in the summer of 2020. Drum.
1: Oh my right goodness, right I, I've had that on my right? mind. So yes, I've been thinking about exactly that the guy like, I want
2: for like a month now. You you know uh-huh. because that's the type of player in theory, that the Lakers really need. And those guys are super rare, man. Like they mm-hmm. like they just are, right? And so you talk about who's a starting caliber point guard. Oh, well, you know who's one? Like Ricky Rubio's one. Well, guess what? Ricky Rubio can't shoot, right? You know who would right. be perfect for this team? Malcolm Brogdon. Guess what? Malcolm Brogdon makes $20 million a year, right? <laughs> That's so right. there are limitations. And even if the Lakers are going to need to go and get, as you put, a starting cal- caliber guard, their bait for that is basically kcp
1: right 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 and that's not a and, terribly intriguing and he has yeah.
2: a de facto no trade clause and he's mm-hmm. a clutch client right and, and so on on a certain level can the lakers do it with this set, set of guards i would then say my ultimate answer is sure if lebron is your point guard and they get top level defense at the point point of attack from the combination of KCP Bradley and Caruso. Right. And that is a possible, that is a possible scenario. It's just a much harder path.
1: That's right. It, it It is. And, and really that to make it all very simple is we need our guards to be able to defend and knock down open shots. And you know, there, there is the capability of that on this team amongst who they have Just in terms of just outside of fit and just in terms of overall talent, I think you just need at least one legitimate starting caliber guard in order to win in what will be 2020 by the time June and the title and all that rolls around. So I hope to be wrong. Uh, And if I'm not wrong, I hope the Lakers address that. Before then, I do think that this is something that Polinka and the front office are aware of. I've asked him about this and and he alluded to, hey, we got our eyes on the buyout market and and all that. So they're aware of it. Um, But it'll be very interesting this is a uniquely constructed team as was last year's but i can see this team working in a way that was hard to envision the pieces fitting last year uh so i'm i'm still excited i just think we need that one more guy but yeah that'll that'll do it for this one you've been listening to laker film room podcast and we will catch you guys next time just give
2: me a chance to think it takes <laughs> me a little while to get wound uh, up i know it does take you a while to think. Rebound of Nice rebound. Vladi. Oh, magic ahead. and the fake. So it's for. We're standing on the base and slip into the crowd.
0: I think that is a cosmetic call, baby. Okay, kid, you're all right, Michael.
2: <laughs> Will you get these idiots out of here?